Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our online service today. Uh, a special shout out to those of you who are international viewers. We are so glad that you're able to join us. And this morning, I want to bring to you a message that's entitled, Winning Over Worry. And if you could go with me now to Philippians chapter 4, I'd like to read for you the first nine verses. Philippians chapter 4, reading from verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with your dear and I plead with Sintiche to be of the same mind in the Lord. So obviously at that point uh, in the church in Philippi, there was a conflict going on between these two women. And Paul was appealing to them. And he go on to say, Yes, and I ask you, my dear, my true companions, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Father, I pray this morning that you will come and speak to us. I pray that your word will bring comfort, encouragement and inspiration to all of us. So as we listen to your word, give us years that are attentive and give us hearts that are sensitive to what your Holy Spirit is saying. So speak now as your servant heareth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now many of us started 2020 with fresh hopes of a great year ahead. Uh, we all have our plans worked out with things to do, places to go, holidays to take, stuff to buy, people to meet, etc. And then came COVID-19. And all of a sudden, all of our plans became obsolete. All of our travels are curtailed and all of our investment tanked and all of our holidays are cancelled. All of our business pro, uh, projections have actually gone haywire. And our calm and serene inner world is now plunged into turmoil and disarray. It's like what Max Lucado once said, somewhere in the storm, I lost my song. <laughs> and I think we can all identify with this. One moment, everything is calm, and the next is chaos. Serenity just gives way to stress. Worship giving ways to worries. You know, cash flow problems now in the business. Our children are now at home with us. You know, our client wants to withdraw. Uh, a business deal is about to grow cold. The stock market is crashing. Pan pandemic spreading. And, and all of us understand all these things. But here's the thing. In times like this, the monster of worry comes in like a flood. But we need to remember one thing, brothers and sisters, that worry is a habit. And like any other habit, it can be faced up to, it can be dealt with, and it can be overcome. 
Now, we all know from experience that worry is a fruitless activity of the mind unless it results in positive actions. Someone said, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. So we just sit there and we rock and we rock and we rock. We worry and worry, but nothing really comes out of it. Worry cannot change our past, but it can certainly ruin our present. But if there is one person that has every excuse to be worried, it would have been the Apostle Paul. I mean, you consider his, his circumstance as he wrote these words. You know, in, he was in prison, chained to a Roman guard 24-7. He was about to face a trial where he could easily lose his head. He could be executed. He's facing all kinds of false accusation and criticisms from, from, from people against his own ministry. His church at that time, as we have read, was actually undergoing disunity and even heresy. But all these burdens that the Apostle Paul has to bear, but yet he refused to worry. But instead, here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1 to 9, he actually gave us the secret to having victory over worry. Now in verse 6, he talks about this. He says, do not be anxious. Now that word anxious actually means to be put in different direction. Now, who is an anxious person? He's a person who is put in different direction. You know, should I go here? Should I go there? Should I do this? Should I do that? You know, what if this happened? What if that happened? So what's going on in our minds? We are so put in so many different directions. And that word worry actually gives us a word picture of someone being strangled. Now, that's, that's what worry is. So if you are a person who is worried and anxious, you know what, what's happening here? I think it's almost like someone put a noose around your neck and then he pulled it in two different directions. And as a result, we got, the, we got the life literally squeezed out of us. That's what being worried and anxious is about. And the Apostle Paul challenged us here. Do not be anxious. Do not be worried. In fact, we know that worries and anxieties literally can have physical influences on us, right? It can result in what doctors will call psychosomatic illnesses. Psycho, mind. Soma is body. So psychosomatic means what? It is something that's gone wrong in our mind that resulted in something going wrong in our bodies. So people end up with migraines and headaches and, and, and ulcers and backaches, but actually it all starts in the mind. Uh, it's psychosomatic. So let me, let me ask, what is worry? If I can give you a simple definition of worry, I'll put it this way. Worry is wrong thinking in the mind and wrong feelings in the heart over circumstances, situations, people, and things. Uh, Paul says to us, don't worry, but instead rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. And notice, what he's giving us is a command. In fact, it's a double imperative. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Double imperative. And what, what, does it, what does it inform us? It tells us that rejoicing is actually an act of the will and not just an emotion of the heart. Now, why, why is that so? Uh, how, how, can, how can the Apostle Paul even command us to rejoice? I, I think it's because of the basis for Christian joy. Now, listen carefully and don't miss this. Now, what is the basis for the Christian rejoicing? What is the basis for Christian joy? Paul tells us the reason is this. It's because the Lord is near. Don't miss this. What's the basis for our joy? It's not circumstantial, but it's because the Lord 
is near. And this phrase, the Lord is near, actually have two usages. Firstly, it's, saying, it's telling us that God is with us. God is near to us. He's our ever-present help in times of trouble. God is near us now. But on top of that, it also has an eschatological meaning, which means to say this, the Lord is near also reminds us the Lord Jesus is not only omnipresent now, but He is coming back soon. So the Lord, our Lord is not just existential. He's not just existing right now, but He's also eternal. It's already, but not yet. You see, and and we are not just experiencing God's nearness to us right now, but we are also waiting for His return. And when Jesus returns, He will conquer of all every powers of darkness and He will put all things right. And the day will come, my brothers and sisters, when all sorrows will be gone and all tears will be wiped away. And we all say amen to that. Our God is both existing now and He is eternal. He is already and coming. He's not yet. Now, He is present now and He's coming back again soon. And that is why we can rejoice. That's why we live in the joy of the Lord now because we are already living in His blessings right now. But on top of that, we are looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We are looking forward to the coming of our bridegroom. And therefore, my brothers and sisters, Paul challenged all of us, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And I know this, we all know this is true. But in the meantime, however, Worries and anxieties can still be our greatest joy stealer. And we all understand that. Now, worry is one of Satan's biggest weapon that he wielded against the church. And that is why in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, from verse 25 to 34, one sin that Jesus actually spent most of his time on was on the sin of worry. Now, you heard me right. I think persistent worrying is a sin. A worried Christian is a contradiction in terms, you see, because the moment we are constantly worried, if we are constantly worried, we have reduced ourselves to the level of birds and bees, and we have forgotten that our Father knoweth. We have a Father in heaven who knows everything that we are going through, and He is in control. So how then can we overcome worry? How, how can I live above worries? And Paul, the apostle, gave us three things here in Philippians chapter 4. In this worrisome and uncertain times that we live in, what are we to do? Here are three things that Paul outlines for us. Number one is this. I want to challenge all of us in these uncertain times. Let us resolve to pray right. Pray right. I'm so glad that the Apostle Paul did not just tell us, don't worry, just forget about it. No. In fact, I have found that when I'm bogged down with worries and anxieties, a patronizing pat on the back by some well-meaning friends echoing the words of the song, don't worry, be happy, it doesn't work. In fact, it brings me more, it does more harm than good. You know, people like to say to the warrior, you know, put it out of your mind. Don't think about it, you know, forget it but I find that it seldom works. In fact, the more I tell myself, don't think about this, the more dominant that thought becomes. In fact, you know what the, Paul's, the Apostle Paul says? He's actually saying to us the opposite. He's saying, hey, face up to it. 
confront it, whatever the situation is. Confront it, deal with it, take the bull by his horns. But first, do it before God in prayer. That's the key. We need to confront whatever situations we are facing. Take the bull by the horns, but first do it before God in prayer. You know that old song we used to sing? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You know, a problem that is not worth praying about is not worth worrying about. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, the Apostle Peter tells us this, cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. John 14, 1, Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In other words, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. The secret is not don't worry, be happy. But the secret is don't worry because your heavenly Father knoweth. I told you before that there's a story about a young boy who was acting up during the church service. So the father tried and calm him down, but the kid just wouldn't stop. So finally, uh, out of uh, desperation, the father picked the child up, threw him over his shoulders, and was marching him out of the auditorium. And just as they reached the door, and just as they reached the entrance, that kid shouted at the congregation, pray for me, pray for me. And I thought, that's a smart kid. You know, there's nothing better to do when we're in trouble than to pray. You see, but I'm glad to see that the Apostle Paul didn't just say pray, but he actually used three words. He uses three words to describe right praying. He, he said, do not be anxious, but in everything by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So here are three things here. He said, prayer, petition, thanksgiving. And they bring out different aspects of prayer. You see, prayer focus on the idea of the person of God. See, every time we pray, what are we doing? We are introducing God into our situation. And it comes with the idea of adoration, of devotion, of worship. We are recognizing that in the midst of all I'm going through, my God is here. And we are introducing through prayer, we introduce God into our situation. And then when God is in our situation, we petition Him. And this focus on the problem that we have. We begin to bear our hearts and then unload our burdens before the Lord and we petition Him. And then once we, we know that God is here and we have petitioned Him, then what do we do next? We focus on the power of praise through thanksgiving because thanksgiving really is a manifestation of our faith. We are showing gratitude and appreciation for what we believe God has already done. See, so prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. You put all that together and it constitutes right praying. You know, there's a the great storyteller by the name of Paul Harvey that kind of illustrates this for me so well. Uh, he once told the story about uh, a mom that was taking his five-year-old kid to the grocery shop, you know, to the supermarket to get some groceries. But the mom knows that her son actually have a real weakness for chocolate chip cookies. But the problem is that the little boy was growing a little bit obese, so the mom was a little bit uh, concerned about that. And so when they arrived at the shopping center, the first thing the mom said to the boy was this. He says, you know, today you're not going to get any chocolate chip cookies. 
So don't even ask, you understand? And the boy said, yes. So that when they got into the shopping center, the, the mom put the kid you know, in the trolley where there's a little seat for the child. And then he was going up and down the, the aisles and everything was going well until they reached the cookies section. And the moment they reached the cookies session, as they entered into it, the boy turned to the mom and first thing he said was, Mom, can I have some chocolate chip cookies? And the mom said, I already told you, don't even ask. And then they went further down the aisles and the kid again turned on his charm and he said to the mom, Mom, can I have some please? And the mom said to him again, I told you, no way. And then Finally, they, they finished their shopping and the mom was about to go to the checkout, uh, checkout uh, lane and the kid know that it is now or never. This is it. And so the moment they joined the line, he stood up on that little stand and shouted at the top of his voice. This is what he shouted. He said, in the name of Jesus, can I have some chocolate chips, cookies, please? Thank you. And then he sat down. And the moment he said that, everyone in the, in the checkout line just burst out laughing. Some of them started to give him a standing ovation. And Paul Harvey actually ended the story by saying this, due to the generosity of the other shoppers, that little boy left the shop that day with 23 boxes of chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> What's my point? My point is this, if you ask right, you may just see a breakthrough. You know what the boy did? He really illustrated for us this whole thing. First thing he did was he introduced God into his problem, introduced God into his situation in the name of Jesus. And then he presented that problem, right? Be before God, he says, can I have some chocolate chip cookies, please? And then he exercised the power of thanksgiving and he said, thank you. Give thanks for what he believed is already done. And what's the result of all this? If we, if we really will not be anxious, but we choose in prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present our request to God, you know what will happen? The result is this. The peace of God, the shalom of God that transcends all understanding will guard, will garrison our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It's almost like the peace of God, the shalom of God's garrison stands guard outside our heart to prevent us from having wrong feelings. And He guards our mind against wrong thinking. If we pray right, my brothers and sisters, the peace of God will begin to rule our hearts and minds instead of worries and anxiety. And I want you to know that this peace that the Apostle Paul talks about is a peace that transcends all understanding. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean to have a peace that transcends all understanding? I think the best way I can illustrate it would be if you can imagine that um, this is the surface of the sea and there's a storm that is going on. There's a huge storm going on at the surface of the ocean and there's turmoil, you know, there's, everything is topsy-turvy. But if you were to go deep, and you go deeper and deeper into the ocean, you will cross a certain point near the seabed, you know, where there will be total calm. Total calm. That whatever may be happening on the surface, if we go deep enough, there is a place where there is still total calm. This is the peace of God. It's a, it's a peace that is so deep 
that is rooted in, in who God is and what God says. It is not dependent on our circumstances, but it is something deep within our soul. And because we are anchored in God, something within us tells us, it is well, it is well with my soul. Whatever may happen on the outside, something inside says, it is well. It's exactly like what Psalms 46.10 says. Psalms 46.10 have a little phrase that we are all familiar with. Now when the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Whenever we think about Psalms 46.10 and we, we, we quote this verse, be still and, and, and know that I'm God, what comes to our mind is like, it's something like New Zealand, you know, where we see uh, snow peak mountains, we calm uh, rivers and, 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 and lakes, and we think of this. But that's the mental picture we have when it comes to being still and know that He is God. Maybe it's because of the song that, was, that we used to sing uh, in Psalms 46.10, right? Be still and know that I am God. And because the, the lyrics and the music is so soothing, what comes to our mind is New Zealand. But when you read the context of Psalms 46, it's nowhere near New Zealand. I think it sounds more like Lebanon or Afghanistan, you know, or, or Syria. It's, it sounds more like it's, it's in a war zone. Uh, and because you read Psalms 46.10 and you realize the context is this. It's about the earth giving way about mountains falling and shaking, waters roaring, nations in uproar. And it is in the midst of all that that the psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. This is the peace of God. In the midst of all the turmoil that goes on on the outside, something inside of us give us that quiet assurance that God is here. He is still in control. This is the peace of God. And right praying will lead to this inner peace. So the first thing we need to do in these uncertain times, pray right. Here's number two, is to think right. True peace involves not just the heart, but it involves the mind as well. Isaiah 26.3 is one of my favorite verses. It goes like this. Thou would keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. The key is in trusting God. Wrong thinking results in wrong feelings, which fewer even more wrong thoughts. And so it becomes a vicious cycle. Okay, if we don't think right, we're going to end up in the wrong place. You know, there's a, a report I read once about a woman uh, in the United States of America that was sitting outside her car on a hot summer day uh, waiting for her husband to come out from the shop because he forgot something. So he went back inside to buy. And so she was waiting outside and in a car and it was a very hot summer day. And all of a sudden, he heard a loud bang at the back of her car and then a sharp pain at the back of her head. Something hit her head and, uh, and she started screaming. And then there was a woman who was walking past who ran towards her and asked her, are you okay? Are you okay? And she said, no, no, I've been shot and I'm holding my brains in. But actually, that was not the case. What actually happened was that a container of cheese that they just bought exploded because of the heat and a lump of melted cheese actually hit the back of her head and she was holding on to that. So, and, and she thought she was shot. But what's my point? My point is this. How often it is we find that 
our fears are more perceived than they are real. Have you ever experienced this, that we actually imagine things to be worse than what it is? And because we are so fearful, we just imagine the worst, and we imagine everything is falling apart. But I want you to know, whatever we go through, all this will pass. Uh, someone once said, if you're not afraid to face the music, you might one day lead the band. <laughs> if you're not afraid to face the music, you might one day lead the band. And Paul is actually saying to the Philippians, after you prayed, after you petition, after you give thanks to God, regardless of your circumstance, you must begin to think right. Let your minds be focused on the right things. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says this, As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. What we think about all day long, we become. So the question is, what should our minds be focused on? And in Philippians 4, verse 8, Paul tells us, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, what are we to do? He said, think about such things. But I want you to notice carefully what Paul is challenging us to do here. He's not just asking us to think positively and just ignore the facts. He's not asking us to think about uh, just uh, only just think positive. You know, just psych yourself up to think positively. That's not what he's saying. But he's actually telling us to think about that which is true. So that which is true, that we also need to face the facts. That which is noble, that which is right, that which is pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. So what, what is Paul saying? Paul is saying that we are not ignoring the facts. We're not being presumptuous. It's not just about making irresponsible claims that can put people at risk, like, like what's happening in this COVID-19 crisis. You know, we say to one another, no worries, mate, we'll be all right. And then we continue to gather and party. It's, it's not about that. It's not latching on to whatever we can find on the internet and we pass in communication on without even verifying that it's true. All this will just end up in fear-mongering. Now, it is not spreading fear by focusing on, on all that can go wrong rather than encouraging others by meditating on that which is admirable, that which is praiseworthy. Uh, perhaps the best way I can show you how true this is will be to, uh, to present to you the opposite. Now, what if I were to say to you, whatever is false, whatever is depressing, despicable, wrong, unclean, vulgar, ugly, cheapskate, lousy, bad news, yucks, think about such things. Where will your mind end up? I don't think you'll be joyful or peaceful. You'll probably be anxious and worried. And that's why, my brothers and sisters, in this worrisome, uncertain time, can I encourage you? This is the best time for us to meditate on the Word of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How? To the meditation of God's Word. You know, to meditate on Jesus, meditate on His Word. It's so important that our minds be filled with the Word of God, be filled with who our God is, and then as a result, our hearts will be filled with peace and calm, serenity and joy. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15, the prophet Isaiah says, in quietness and confidence shall be our strength. 
in quietness and confidence shall be our strength. And where does that come from? Except that we let our minds be focused on the right things. Think right. Pray right. And down, it leads me to my last thing, which is to live right. If you want to conquer worries and anxiety and begin to live in God's peace and joy, number one, pray right. Number two, think right. And now, most importantly, we must live right. Correct praying and correct thinking must in the end lead us to correct living. Look at Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17. It says, The fruit of righteousness will be peace, and the effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. Now, listen carefully to what the prophet said. He said, the fruit of righteousness will be peace. So where does peace come from? Where does true shalom come from? It comes out of righteousness. Okay? And, and the effect of this peace that we receive will then become quietness and confidence forever. Paul says in Philippians 4.9, he says, whatever you've learned, whatever you received, whatever you heard from me or seen in me, what are we to do? Put it into practice. In other words, live it out. Do it. Carry out the will of God. It's one thing to pray. It's one thing to know and meditate on the word. It's another thing to obey it and actually apply it and do it. So I think that one tip to overcome worry it's really to do anything that can be usefully done. So instead of worrying half a night about an email that you, you must reply, oh yeah, just get up and get it done. Instead of worrying half the time about, about somebody and wondering how that person is, just pick up the phone and call the person. Instead of worrying half the time about catching COVID-19, do the right thing. Pray faithfully, wash your hands regularly, practice social distancing consistently. If nothing can be done straight away, at least decide what you're going to do. See, I found that when, when the moment I can decide what I'm going to do, I can put it down on paper, I can conquer worries. And, and in other words, I turn the futile activity of worrying into useful action. So my brothers and sisters, here's a tip for you. Don't let your worries paralyze you but let it vitalize you instead. Uh, today, a lot of our eateries are no longer able to take dine-in customer. So it's easy to, at this point, just shut down and just lament and worry. But you know, there are so many shops now that are so creatively, they are offering free delivery of their food. You just order and they will deliver to your home for free. You know, I think that's learn, not letting worries paralyze them, but actually let it drive them to useful action, innovative ideas and creative ways. And one of the best things we can do with worries is to let them drive us to positive and godly action. And that's correct living. Earlier on, I shared with you Isaiah 30 verse 15. In quietness and confidence shall be our strength. But that's not all. If you read on in Isaiah 30, verse 21, the, the prophet go on to say this, And your ears will hear a voice behind thee saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. Our times of right praying and right thinking and meditation in God's presence must gain us the strength to go into right living. Right? We pray right, we think right, 
and then we obey and do what is right. And then verse 9 ends off this way in Philippians 4. Verse 9 says, And then the God of peace will be with you. Did you notice something here? That the Apostle Paul have just, he started with the peace of God that transcends our understanding. And he ended with the God of peace will be with you. Which do you think is more fundamental? The peace of God or the God of peace? I think if we have the God of peace with us, the peace of God will always be there. You see, and you can only have the God of peace with you if you do what is right. You see, you see, God is careful about whom He keeps company with. So if we have right praying, right thinking, and right living, you can be assured of God's peace, joy, and His presence. I think there will then be no more room for worries and anxiety. I like this saying, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, but the beginning of faith is also the end of anxiety. And here's one for you, really good. When you become wrinkled with cares and worry, it's time for a faith lift. Not a facelift, but a faith lift. And how do you do that? It's by praying right, thinking right, and living right. Let me end this morning with this. This is a great story that was told about a farmer who hired a carpenter to come and help him do some work in his farmhouse. And uh, the farmer came, the carpenter came, but it was turning out to be a rather bad day for him because... The moment he came out of his house to go to work, he had a flat tire, so he lost a whole hour of work. When he arrived at the farm, he discovered that his chainsaw, the electric chainsaw, just, just didn't work. You know, and at the end of the day, when he finished everything, he was about to go home, the old pickup truck just wouldn't start. It was just turning out to be a very, very bad day. And so the farmer ended up having to give his carpenter a ride home. And throughout the whole journey, the carpenter was sitting in gloomy silence because it was such a bad day. But when they arrived at the home, uh, in typical country folk uh, hospitality, the carpenter then uh, the carpenter turned to the farmer and said, would you like to come in and say hello to my family? And so that's what they did. And as they were, as they were getting to the home, they passed a willow tree that is just outside the carpenter's house. And uh, when they passed that tree, he, the farmer noticed the carpenter stopped there, paused for a while, touched the tree, and then after that, smile. A smile began to break out and then he went into the house. And the moment he got into the house, the carpenter just went to a total transformation. His face lit up, he hugged his two children, gave his wife a warm kiss, and the whole thing just seems like it was a great day. After a short visit, he walked the farmer back to his car. And as they passed by the tree, the farmer out of curiosity, turned to the carpenter and said, so what happened at the tree? Why the sudden change of mood? And the carpenter replied, he said this, oh, that's my worry tree. You know, I know that I can't help having problems in my work, but these problems that I face at work do not belong in my house with my kids and my, and my wife. So every day when I come home, I just hang all my worries on my worry tree and I'll pick them up again tomorrow morning. And then he added this, and you know what? Usually, when, when I pick them up in the next morning, most of them will be gone. What a story. Now, I think the best thing we can do with our worries and our anxiety is to hang them 
on Jesus. Give them to Jesus because He is our tree of life. As the Apostle Peter says, cast all our cares upon Him because He cares for us. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me wherever you are, in your living rooms, in your halls? Would you just take a few moments and you bow your heads with me? As we go through this season of turmoil and uncertainty, it is so easy for us to be overwhelmed by worries and anxieties. But this morning, we heard the Word of God that reminded us again that God will keep us in His perfect peace if we let our minds be stayed upon Him. If we learn to pray right, think right, and to do what is right, His peace, His shalom that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. I believe that His peace is here to guard over your hearts, to guard you against wrong feelings. And He will stand guard over your mind to guard you against wrong thinking. And this morning, wherever you are, would you not take a moment, create a, a, a moment of quietness, slip into that divine center and lean into the presence of God. If you are comfortable, I want to encourage you, lift up your hands as a sign of surrender. And we take a moment right now to just release all of our worries and anxieties to the Lord. As 1 Peter 5, 7 say, cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Come to Jesus, who is our tree of life this morning. And we say, Lord, I cast all my cares upon You because You care for me. So as you do that, allow me to pray for you. Father God, this morning, you see all of our hearts and hands lifted before you. We know that as we go through these uncertain times, we can struggle with worries and anxieties. And these things can really job, rob the joy that you have given to us. But this morning, we thank you for your word that reminds us again that if we will not be anxious or worried, but in anything, by prayer, petition and thanksgiving, we lift our request to you. And then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, it can guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, if we, all of us, we resolve this morning that instead of worrying and, and being anxious, we will begin to pray right, think right, and we will live right so that the God of peace will be with us. And so we receive you this morning. Thank you for being with us through this time of crisis. Thank you for being there for us in these uncertain times. Bring us back again and again to who you are and what you say every single moment of our life. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen.